Yeah. <laughs> Hello and welcome to my episode of our podcast. Uh, another one. It was supposed to be a Pride one, but honestly, we are so far out of Pride month now, it's ridiculous. Um, so, just to let you know, this episode uh, has a trigger warning for murder, violence, assault, homophobia, transphobia. It's quite a heavy-hitting episode. It, we, we're we doing... It's important because we're covering murders that are very socially very important and we want to give our platform and use our platform to speak about these things and things that don't get spoken about as much but it was quite heavy so if you're not in place please go listen to any of our other episodes and look after yourself stay safe stay grounded and enjoy this episode we will hopefully be getting more episodes up in a normal scheduled time um but just enjoy these episodes whilst they come fingers crossed okay enjoy hi guys how's it going what's good what's gucci why do you sound like a spiritually hi guys and um welcome to my spiritual room (laughs) i literally have such morning voice because it's literally like not even it's almost like midday and i've i woke up like an hour ago and I'm still like morning voice. I'm like, I it's like eleven in the morning, and I had a shower, washed my hair, washed my makeup brushes, and now I'm recording this episode. So I feel like I, I had a, it's, I'll probably go back to sleep after this. To be fair, because it's just too much. I haven't even showered yet. You disgust me. Um, Thank you. Disgusting. Well, it's not disgusting what we're talking about today. It's very important what we're talking about today, but it might disgust some listeners. What will we be talking about today, Beth? We are going to be talking about a very serious issue of LGBTQ plus murders because we've done a murder episode before, um, and it's all based off the podcast My Favorite Murder. All credit goes to them. We didn't come up with this idea because we are unoriginal. They're amazing. <sighs> They are. They're so good. Um, but yeah, that is that is what we're going to be doing today. Yeah, and this isn't of making light of murder. This isn't, you know, we don't mean any disrespect to the families or friends of anyone involved. We want to, particularly with this episode, we want to shed the light on, well, with this um, murder case, we're going to be looking at like the foundations of pride and LGBT um and like hate crime and stuff like that and with mine we're going to be looking at a more you know very sadly common case um and yeah it's just like a reminder that even though we're trying to like spread awareness with pride and things like that we we're still very aware that it's not all fine and dandy for everyone involved yeah it's it's definitely I think there's a disproportionate amount. My my story, I also want to like say now, like there's a disproportionate amount of transgender people of colour being murdered, and it's been yeah. going on forever. And there's an like amazing crowd. When I talk about my story, you'll I'll probably say it, but um, basically it was said that they just didn't care. It's another one off the streets. It's another person dead. It's another thing not to like care about. And people a lot of the time the LGBTQ plus community leaves transgender people behind and 
especially transgender people of colour and they don't fight their fights for them and that we need to really start listening to them and supporting them and using our voices and our platforms and our privilege to um, amplify their struggles and their hardships. Definitely. And I've just realised I am sniffing up because I've only just taken my hay fever meds. So probably during this, the sniffing will go. But for now, <laughs> that's where I'm not already crying. It's OK. I've just made Rachel cry. Like, honestly, so hard. before this recording, I just like bullied her for like 20 minutes. Yeah, I was just like, Rachel, you fucking stank. Um, I hate you. I've just taken my meds. So it will subside, I promise. Um. So, yeah, we should probably put, like, we're going to do a trigger warning before this bit. Trigger warning about, like, phobia, transphobia, abuse, hate crime, murder, blah, blah, blah. All that jazz. All that fun stuff. And if you're still here after listening to the trigger warning at the beginning of the episode and that trigger warning just now, um, it's your own fault. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Leave out. But at the same time, that isn't, like, a way to, like, put you off. It is – what we're going to be speaking about is so important, and I I want to talk about this area of LGBT and pride so much more because I feel like, you know, you see it in the news, and sometimes it hits mainstream media, but it's very much like – like you said, like, it's just another one, which isn't the attitude to have. I know. Um, and yeah. Yeah, I just – I want to bring awareness to it because I really hope in the same way Black Lives Matter movement does that we can be part of a movement that can reduce and maybe even eradicate hate crimes and unlawful killing. Yes. Yes, Queen. We stand. Yes. I'm never going to say a good thing ever again. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, do we want to just get into it or is there anything else will we uh, is there anything else we have uh, to say no i think we're already oh by the way for those that are like following our pride calendar why because we've given up on it ourselves um <laughs> we box the two main episodes around all will be revealed next week when uh it's published so get excited yeah. for it guys it's going to be great. And hopefully our recording quality will get a bit better soon um, yeah. with the easing of lockdown and new exciting revelations that will come out. Yeah, it'll be really. so exciting. It's going to be exciting. So no more correctly annoying. No, no, I think we are ready to get into the bulk. The bulk? Yeah. Right, okay. So do you want me, I'm, I'm going to go first. Yeah, so you because I feel like yours is I don't know it we've been leading up to yours for a long time in loads of previous episodes so yes and this is something nice yeah this is something I really want to talk about something I feel very passionate about um I first heard about the fact that this person could have been murdered on the my favorite murder podcast so full circle but um Uh also I just love are you I'm just d- going to play that episode in the background and pretend it's you? I am. I'm going to play the documentary and the episode and just like, <laughs> this is, let me just say first, before I get into this, this is all, all of my sources and all of my stuff. I basically copy pasted a load of stuff. Um, And as I go through, I'm going to say the, um, where you got it from. 
yeah, so you say my sources. None of this is my own stuff. This is all from other people's stuff. <laughs> I'm basically just stealing other people's content. Um, so it's really important that you give credit as well, just to let everybody know. So let's get into the possible murder of the iconic Marsha P. Johnson. Who is a by the way. She would have been a best she would have been a massive Pause for applause, please. Thank you very much. She's a G, an icon, a wonderful human being, and by all accounts, just the kindest, most generous, most bubbly, beautiful human ever, apart from obviously Rachel. So <laughs> I can't be in the same category as her. Don't even. No, you're not even remotely in the same. You just get out, honestly, right now. Just leave. I'd rather just. <laughs> let's make this a Marsha P Johnson um podcast from now on it's me and Marsha P Johnson we're just vibing talking you and the spiritual exactly anyway um let's get into it so my first thing was I really want to talk about who she was instead of just her death um because I think her life was so important and impactful to so many people so Let me just put, uh, this is just a little, like, thing. I think I got this off Wikipedia. Um, shocking. So this is just, like, a little fact thing about her. Um, Marsha P. Johnson, born August 24th, 1945, was an activist, a prostitute, a drag performer. Um, I don't I don't want to put prostitute. She was a sex worker, a drag performer, and an all-round wonderful person. By her friends, she is remembered as a kind, as generous and kind, often giving away her things and whatever she could spare to people around her in need. There was in because I watched the documentary um, called The Life and Death of Marsha P. Johnson. It's on Netflix. It's amazing, um, and it follows a um, I think it's a transgender activist, Victoria Cruz, and she basically is trying to like solve the and open the cold case of Marsh P. Johnson's death and there's some amazing footage and lots of like recountments of her life and there was like parts where they were just saying she just give gave away stuff like if someone was like oh I really like your scarf she'd just give it to them and be like yeah no I'm worries like take it you can have it and she'd like Aww. could be handing out flowers she'd be like dressed head to toe in sparkly clothes and like beautiful outfits and she was just wonderful she had apparently um she had loads of makeup on and usually it wasn't very well applied but it was like beautiful because she just it was like her thing she was just a gorgeous and wonderful person yeah um she was a fixture of the of street life in Greenwich Village which I think is in New York yeah Greenwich Village is in New York yeah yeah New York um and she was a central figure in a gay liberation movement energized by the 1969 police raid on the Stonewall Inn um if you don't know (laughs) oh um, if you don't know about Stonewall it was that massive um riot um and she was one of the first people to possibly i think it's it's disputed whether she was actually one of the first people but i think she was to throw a brick and she also apparently threw shot glasses at a mirror in the inn and scared the shit out of the police officers who were raiding (laughs) which i thought was really really funny and like (laughs) such an iconic move um she she was also a model for Andy Warhol, which I didn't know. Oh. Yeah, so she, I feel like he was like an artist, photographer, person. Um, so she modelled for him. And yeah. it, so these are like a lot of stuff. I found out a lot of stuff that I didn't really know before, but she battled severe mental illness 
um, and she was usually destitute and for much of her life effectively homeless. So there was a, there's a lots of different accounts of her mental state, and I don't want to. It's difficult for me, like I don't want to go into it because it kind of perpetuates the idea that she was this kind of uh, yeah, like unstable person, like a black trans woman when she wasn't. She was, you know, if it if like what happened to her happened to us, they would probably say it was murder because we're cis white. Well, I'm a cis white woman. Yeah. But I have mental health issues, but that probably wouldn't even come into play. I know. Well, like, yeah. It's like worth mentioning and acknowledging, but it's not worth focusing on if you see the immigrant. Exactly. And it's I think it's really important to like give it all sides and all possibilities because I'll get obviously get into her death, but there are a lot of the massive thing is that people a lot of people thought it was a suicide. Um well the police thought it was a suicide, a lot of people didn't think it was a suicide. But um but yeah, she she really struggled with mental illness and a lot of the time she had kind of like a dual personality type thing where when she was um her like almost male self it was said that she was she had Marsha who was her like herself and then she had a male kind of ego person um and she was angry and violent and she often got into fights and stuff and was put in hospital and had to be bailed out from jail and stuff but I have a quick question. Did she get into drag before she realised she was trans, or did it kind of go like hand in hand? Was with her drag name, or I actually get into that. Basically, she um, she self-identified as a drag queen, um, but obviously, I think as things have progressed, she would have been seen. She like she was a woman. She like felt like a woman and stuff. But she self-identified at that time as a drag queen and a transvestite. Yeah. So we don't use that word anymore because it's quite derogatory. But um, it's she would have like she basically was a transvestite and she also co-founded the radical activist group with, along with Sylvia Rivera, who was like a really close friend. Um, and it was called Street Transvestite Action Revolutionaries, which was like Star, and. Oh. It basically, they I think they also had like a homeless place where they would like take young homeless people off the street and stuff. And she kind of co-founded that and they marched in the things like that. And it was, I think they all kind of branded themselves as transvestites and like drag queens. Um, so, because I don't think transgender was a massive word. Word, I don't know. So what do you do? You know the difference between transvestite and transgender? Because I find, um, this is going off topic, but it isn't. Um, I find when I'm describing a transgender person or explaining a transgender person to somebody of like my parents' generation, my grandparents' generation, they're always like, isn't that just a transvestite? And I like don't really know how to answer because I see it as a very, I, I've grown up with it being a derogatory term. I think, I think the thing, I think the thing is there isn't a, there isn't I think transgender and transvestite are the same but transvestite is just a derogatory word to use for a transgender person because it it almost it's kind of gained this thing as like a a toxic word something that makes them seem like lesser of a person 
whereas transgender is now this nice like label but transvestite was obviously the I think it was one of the only words that they had back then to kind of identify themselves and yeah yeah because I just it really convenient it it's just that I'm just sat where I am in my room um obviously Rocky Horror Picture Show there's the song Sweet Transvestite isn't there and Mm. I think it's um Tim Curry's character Mm. um is a self-proclaimed transvestite but i can't remember when it was made i can't remember when it was made but i just know that it's transvestite is a really old and fashion olden old fashioned olden. <laughs> olden days old-fashioned word um used to describe transgender people yeah or obviously I, I i don't quote me on that i don't know if anyone wants to correct us please do but that's what i assume yeah it was the word for transgender back then but now transgender is just like a more um humanizing and like good term because trans yeah. i think transvestite a lot of the time is used to just basically be like oh that's transvestite they're not really human they're not really like oh they're just a bit weird like that that's transvestite or they're like a cross-dresser instead oh. of it actually being who they are okay okay sorry for interrupting continue hell fucking dick no it was a good interruption <laughs> it needed to be talk- spoken about um but yeah that was kind of her that was a bit of her like when she was living in New York kind of thing, when she was being an activist. But this is kind of, this is a bit that I took, definitely took from Wikipedia. So this is basically just all copied and based from Wikipedia. But this is her life before and leading up to when she moved to New York and became Marsha. Um, she was born, I don't know whether I want to say her name before oh, she because yeah, before she was Mar- Marsha P. Johnson but it is said in a lot of other documentaries and a lot of other places so I feel like it's okay um but she was born Malcolm Michaels Jr. on August 24th 1945 in Elizabeth New Jersey she had six siblings and a father Malcolm Michaels Sr. Mm. who was an assembly line worker at General Motors and it, it just sounds like a very normal kind of upbringing for that time but I cannot imagine having like because obviously I don't know whether the family was conservative but a lot of the time most families in that time were very conservative people especially I don't want to stereotype but especially African-American families they were just trying to fit in didn't want to stand out any further they just wanted to like be normal yeah you have that added layer of racism as well that kind of affects like you you're already being discriminated against for being racist it's almost like why would you want to be discriminated against for being lgbt and obviously it's not a choice but that's a lot of the mindset at that time um and she attended um oh her mother was alberta claiborne and she was a housekeeper and marcia attended an african methodist Epicospal church as a child and remained devoutly religious in later life, often taking an interest in Catholicism, but also making offerings to the saints in a personal manner, keeping a private altar at home. Um, so that was something really interesting because I I often talk about how religion and the LGBTQ plus kind of mix and how it, it, religion isn't against the LGBTQ plus; it's the people that are against the lgbtq plus like it's and that's something really interesting because a lot of people who identify as lgbtq um are 
religious and have religion and have links to religion and yeah. like it's so beautiful that she was able to keep her religion and hold it so close to her heart and stuff yeah. and it was really sweet and there was um clips in the documentary i just gotta keep going back to it but there was clips in the documentary of her talking about the river jordan and like crossing the river jordan when she goes to heaven and all that it was really beautiful and she was just a oh, wonderful person um yeah and it's nice as well that she can like whether or not it was because it doesn't say whether or not the religion was particularly accepting of her and the church was particularly accepting of her but like whether or not they were she was still able to keep it close to her heart and still believe in god even after all the hatred and stuff and everything like that and like oh i just think it's wonderful and i think that's a misconception as well that like lgbtq plus people are like oh they don't have any morals and they're just not saying that religion equals morals because you have morals without religion but they, they're just sinners and they don't believe in god and they don't believe in anything and they're just like fat, like on the streets like doing nothing now and they don't believe in anything and they're just not human and like no they have religion we have religions we have our own beliefs we have our own morals outside of religion we are like normal human beings um um she first began wearing dresses at the age of five but stopped temporarily due to harassment by boys who lived nearby um in a 19 this is really sad in a 1992 interview johnson described being the young victim of sexual assault by an adolescent boy which is awful and is something that happens so frequently within the community because uh, yeah i don't want to like justify why someone would do that because it's just them being a piece of shit but it's something that happens so frequently and it's awful and it's difficult because the police don't want to do anything about any, like sexual assault usually but when you're lgbt or when you're a person of color they just don't want to do anything even more they just don't give a shit even more um yeah. it's really difficult to like report it um yeah. And that could have kick-started her mental health problems as exactly. well. Exactly. And okay. maybe if she was given the support and help that she needed from a younger age, or at all, she may not have had the fate she had, suicide or murder, you know? Yeah, it would, that's the thing, and it's just, it's just very sad. Like, her life, before she was able to be who she was... Yeah by all accounts it just sounds sad yeah and it's so i'm so glad that she was able to be how like i think if she saw how the world was now she'd be amazed and so happy and the fact that she was able to fight and exist with people who like support her and praise her for being herself was wonderful um um, after this, Johnson described the idea of being gay as some sort of dream rather than anything that seemed possible and so chose to remain asexual until leaving for New York City at 17. Johnson's mother reportedly said that being homosexual is, is like being lower than a dog. But Johnson said that Alberta was unaware of the LGBT community. So obviously it's thing again of um lack of education and lack of understanding exactly and i think it's just it's just very sad that like it sounds i it, there wasn't a lot on the internet about her life before she moved to new york but it sounds like by all accounts it was just the, the 
usual like hatred against LGBT people through lack of education and lack of understanding. Yeah. Um. She after graduating from the former Edison High School, now the Thomas A. Edison Career and Technical Academy, all um, in Elizabeth in 1963, Johnson left home for New York with $15 and a bag of clothes, which sounds fucking terrifying. That sounds like something you would do. And also, $15 (laughs) is a lot more back then than what it is now. Yeah, but still, like, it just, oh, my God. It It wasn't uncommon back then to run away from (sighs) with, like, the clothes on your back. and Yeah, especially when you're not accepted for who you are. Yeah, I mean, it's like, what have you got to lose? I mean, everybody, you know, nobody accepts you anyway. Um, yeah, so exactly. back then, but it is so sad that people felt forced. Exactly. Yeah, it's just, it's quite sad. Um, but after meeting gay people, oh, wait, no, no, no. She waited tables after moving, moving to Greenwich Village in 1966 and after meeting gay people in the city Johnson finally felt it was possible to be gay and was able to come out which was beautiful and obviously yes she she created her persona and her drag like person Marsha P Johnson and something really interesting which isn't really related to her death or anything like that or but um it just kind of contributes to her personality and I think it describes a lot she she apparently chose Martha P. Johnson and she had her reasons for choosing Martha and Johnson, but apparently the P um, stood for pay it no mind. And she used the phrase sarcastically when questioned about her gender saying it stands for pay it no mind. Like she, whenever she was asked about her gender, she'd be like, mm, well, pay it no mind. It's none of your business kind of thing. <laughs> Love that. Which is beautiful. And that's like iconic. And it's nice to kind of hear. It's just, I think it just, describes what she was like perfectly so it gets quite sad so we're going to kind of go into her death um she shortly after the 1992 pride parade johnson's body was discovered floating in the hudson river police initially ruled the death as a suicide but johnson's friends and other members of the local community insisted johnson was not suicidal and noted that the back of johnson's head had a massive wound um whilst watching the documentary and kind of googling marsha and her death and everything it was really difficult to find any theories or any like like death like evidence on her death and stuff and in the documentary a lot of stuff like her case file had just been missing like it they just couldn't find it and like victoria who was the lady who was in the documentary was just like ringing up people and they were like oh well no we don't know and then they say oh what about this person phone this person and she phoned that person they'd be like no i don't want to talk to you because you're phoning me at this time and then she'd phone like this office and they'd be like oh no we can't currently find her file it's missing like this happens from time to time so there's a lot of like baby to me it is shady and it's just the police not wanting to do their job and there was there was obviously um she had a roommate called randy wicker and he led like so many protests um after her death and there was this beautiful memorial because she was pulled out the hudson river and her body was like left um on the side of the like um on the tarmac and it kind of like it there's a quote um um from randy wicker 
Um, and it says, Randy Wicker, Johnson's roommate at the time of her death, recalled seeing her, where her body had been placed after it was pulled from the river. As she laid there, her blood soaked into the pavement, Wicker said. There was Marsha's blood uh, and everything where her body had lain on the a- asphalt. Um, and then um, it, it was there a makeshift memorial sprung up to Johnson's flowers dotting the ground, which was really... That's from Inside Edition, by the way. Yeah. Um, but it was... It, that's kind of... It just feels like the police didn't give a shit. And there was quotes saying it was just an, it's just another just another person, just another trans person off the street, just another person they don't have to think about, like, arresting for um, sex work or arresting for this or just another nuisance you, kind of thing out of the way. Can you imagine if they did that to a white person, you know, maybe like a businessman, you know, who wasn't gay or anything like that can you imagine the outrage at the it's so hard to imagine it because it wouldn't happen that's the problem like yeah i I could not imagine that happening because it literally doesn't happen like there is murder and everything is investigated properly and it should be investigated properly for everyone and like there is like so many indigenous women going missing and being murdered and no one gives gives a shit i listen to so many murder podcasts and literally there there are people trying to fight to find these people and fight to look after these people and just because they're indigenous women or they're people of color or they're transgender like within the i'm getting very angry because i'm just so it's so close to my heart but within the documentary there was another case going on as victoria was investigating marsha p johnson's and it was uh, i think it was a girl called nettles or something and she was literally beaten and like put in a coma by this guy and he got manslaughter and assault is that it yeah and i i obviously i don't know yeah he could have got, apparently got got anywhere from five to 25 years for taking somebody's life and he used the defense that it was because he was like oh my god she's transgender fucking joke that's absolutely disgusting it is a joke it's just ridiculous um so, other than if the documentary has her case ever been like reopened or revisited or anything, um, it's open now. It's now a, like open as a cold case, and they've changed it, changed the um thing of her case from being a suicide to unknown, like un they don't know. Yeah. Um, but in the documentary, a lot of things are explored. Um. What am I? What part of my notes and my own? Oh my god. Um, oh, friends say Johnson was acting normally when they last saw her around Greenwich Village on July 4th. There are lots of like different time frames of when people like conflicting information on the last time she was seen. Randy Wickers recalls seeing her on the 2nd of July, and another person said they saw her on the night of the 4th. And her body was actually found in the Hudson on the 6th. So I think they kind of determined that she died on the 4th. Um, Cruz said, which is Victoria Cruz, um, said people told her Johnson was being chased the night she disappeared, although authorities have not commented on this. Um, When her body was found, rude suicide. 
something that outraged many of those who knew her and said she would never have taken her life. A lot of people were like, she wasn't suicidal. She did face mental health challenges, but she was not in a suicidal mood. There was confirmation information said that she was giving stuff away, but as I said before, she she used to give stuff away all the time. Um, Did she ever, like, have any, like, past of, like, self-harm or suicidal thoughts? She had a past of mental health illnesses, but nothing... No one... There was nothing said about her being suicidal before um and by all accounts it seemed like she really loved life she was looking forward to pride and she was looking forward to so many things and she had stuff to live for um and there was i'm getting to kind of like the theories but it's very difficult to kind of pinpoint the theories because there was so much stuff but um she apparently she had many points to the fact that johnson was found with a bruise on the back of her head as evidence that she might have been attacked yeah um and her roommate Randy Wicker led a lot of the fight to get Marsha uh, Marsha's death properly investigated by the police precinct. And there was this beautiful, beautiful footage of a protest from going from Marsha's memorial, where her body was pulled out of the Hunting River, right down to the uh, police precinct. And there was these protesters talking to the police, and they were like, "Can you please just do your fucking job? Like, can you? This is you just not doing your job. This is you sitting down and not doing what you're supposed to do." Yeah. And it's it reminded me so much of there was like justice for Marsha, no justice, no peace. And it reminded me so much of the George Floyd case now. Yeah, yeah all the cases of the people of colour just not being investigated probably because the police can't be bothered. Um so do you think so, it's different if she was transgender but a white transgender person, or do you think it would have been different if she was like um a cisgender black person or do you think everything sort of added her up to be this minority that the police just thought wasn't worth it i think everything just kind of added up to the police just being like well she's she's lower than human so she's not worth it and like white transgender people obviously have white privilege but still are underprivileged and i think apparently loads of transgender people and transgender sex workers would just go missing and would be murdered and nothing would be done about it years and years and years like there were just people were disappearing off the streets all the time and nothing was done and a lot of the things the police like to say in a lot of cases i hear about um sex workers or transgender people of color or like the gay lifestyle they say oh they were living a really dangerous lifestyle so they it's almost like they deserve to get murdered. They were going to get murdered anyway, so, you know, it's their lifestyle that caused it. No, why, it's the murderers that caused it. Why don't you put things in place so that they aren't at such a high risk or do things to give them justice in their death? Exactly. So that's that's the thing. Um, so going into some of the theories about yeah. it, so in the documentary there was like, just several theories. Obviously one of them is suicide, but that one's commonly ruled out because it's not it doesn't seem very plausible and I don't know whether there's a lot of kind of like evidence for suicide um but can you have the evidence for suicide to be fair yeah (laughs) (laughs) um there's there's one really interesting theory that the mafia was involved because the mafia actually ran the Stonewall Inn and ran a lot of the gay clubs basically because what I've, I've heard this I don't know if it's confirmed but the mafia had like one of their like one of the daughters of one of the mafia people or one of the like nephews or something or nieces I can't remember, oh, I can't remember who it was but um 
basically there was a lady in the mafia who was like a child of one of the mafia leaders and she was a lesbian and right. so she just used to buy like gay bars using the mafia money just to like piss off her parents <laughs> and oh my god imagine doing that to annoy your parents just like stop oh I bought another gay club <laughs> it's so and she ran so the mafia actually run ran loads of the gay bars and everything and there you know Randy Wickers who was Marsha Marsha's roommate yeah um he was currently like at the time of her death was investigating and like trying to get the mafia out of their pride parade and out of running a lot of their pride things because they they make they made a bit of money off like pride and their marches and stuff yeah. and he was like we don't want the mafia in it he was like very vocal about protesting being like we don't want the mafia here we don't want them running this we don't want them taking our money we need the money to go back into the community because a lot of people were like where is the money going that is made and it was like it, it wasn't certain whether the mafia were actually involved and a lot of people were like oh no they're not and a lot of people were like oh yeah they were but randy wickers was really fighting for it and then after marsha's death um apparently marsha was really concerned about being murdered by the mafia she was like really like if I die, like I, I could get murdered by the mafia. They after me, therefore, like they're coming for me, kind of thing. Oh and God. after her, yeah, I know. And after her death, Randy Wickers, I think it was him. He got a threat that said basically, if you don't stop investigating the mafia's involvement in the march, like the Pride marches, then the same thing will happen to you that happened to Marsha. Oh my God! So that and, seems like plausible. That seems like it is a plausible thing. At first, I was like, the mafia, why would they want to get involved? Like, nobody would give a shit. But, like, the evidence is there for it. And, yeah. And, like, <sighs> the, my Victoria, who was investigating, um, she took this to the police and they were like, no, we don't have any record of that. We don't know, like, what that is. We don't know what any of that is. We've never heard of that. Nothing like that has been brought to us. And it's just like you, she, Victoria isn't even a private investigator. She isn't a, like part of any police force. She isn't part of anything like that. And she, it literally took her like what a couple of weeks to find this evidence and give it to you. You just yeah. didn't want to do your job. Stop using it as an excuse that nobody brought it to you. You could have put the work in as a police officer, as is your job job description. That's what you're supposed to do. And you could have got this evidence. You could have found this evidence out, but you just didn't want to exactly so are the mafias still like involved in loads of like gay clubs or uh, i'm not really sure i don't think so much now to be honest i think it was back then because it's quite underground and people wouldn't really buy gay bars and they weren't allowed in normal bars so the mafia kind of like did their thing um yeah. but i don't know about now um so yeah that is one of the theories another theory is that she was obviously murdered by somebody who picked her up for sex work because apparently some people saw on the street she got into a car and it was like one of the cars basically they were like lots of sex workers just kind of working the streets kind of thing and she was out there um to get money and there was a specific car full of people full of men um and they were saying oh don't go in that car that car's kind of shady we're not sure about those people they could they don't yeah. seem very straight up and legit and apparently she was seen getting into that car and then that was like the last time somebody saw her and then her body was found so there's also just the kind of motive of people wanted to pick her up sexually assault her and then 
murder her and put her in the river kind of thing and it wasn't this massive kind of conspiracy against her it's more just like what they Uh, would normally do to other trans people any of them on the street exactly and just like it was just marshaled by chance and and especially because i think it's a lot easier for people to target um trans people of color because there was a lot more of them because they were at a disproportion because the system is racist and there's so much behind it but um and it's people don't want to investigate um, people of colour's cases and especially transgender people of colour's cases because they're just not important and it's fun to, the police force in America is built on racism so anyway <laughs> that, those are the conspiracy um, those are the two like the three like the two main plausible causes of her murder were kind of those and that's kind of what I found murder wise but, but there's not think happened i think that i it was one of those two things i think the interesting version is the mafia and that's the one i like want to look into more because i'm like i want to look into the mafia's involvement within the pride community and why they were so involved and all that kind of stuff but i think what is more plausible and what is more like normal and what could have happened easily because it was happening to loads of transgender people and especially transgender sex workers on the streets was that she was picked up in a car by certain people who with the intent that they just wanted to sexually assault and murder her because she was trans so it's more of like a hate crime type thing yeah um oh i can't even i I will not forget this theory because it's really important to put in there there is also a possible theory that the police killed her like a bent cop murdered her what yeah there's a theory because the police in that time just didn't give a shit about people lgbtq plus people and people of color at all and there was a theory that because police officers often would be like oh just like take take them out like or oh, another person off the street there's a theory that a police officer could have just killed her and thrown her into the to do it and it's easy for them to cover it up because they're the ones investigating it and not doing anything about it right. this is also true um <laughs> i think it could have been the mafia and because the mafia obviously have so much money they could have like always paid off the police officers yeah they could pay off anyone to be honest it's the mafia they could do what they fucking like and i feel like the mafia and the police are not so not (laughs) the mafia and the police are not particularly different because they both can do whatever the fuck they want without any consequences because they basically have the money and the resources to like the police force it's so it's the same as what's happening now they are not held accountable for their actions because they're in a position of power and they constantly abuse that position of power and this is like obviously i'm talking about america here but just like putting that out there um england is slightly different because we don't have guns and we're not yeah it's slightly different but still we're very racist countries and peaceful and systematically racist everywhere anyway um <laughs> yeah but america is like the police force in that time were just not held accountable for anything that they did to the lgbtq plus community and to um people of color and the uh, there was even protests in the lgbt that they were like oh we don't we don't want to like fight for it like um 
the there was a lady called you know Sylvia Rivera who was really close to Marsha and also co-founded yeah. Star um at one of the pride parades she was trying to speak on stage and people were booing her simply because she was a transvestite in that time and they were like no get off the stage like we don't want you here and she was like she literally was like we fought for you and we fight for your rights and gays and lesbians rights and your right to love each other and your right to be seen together and you can't even offer the respect and the decency to fight for us like what yeah. are you doing we are a community it's not just gays and lesbians and bisexuals we are here and we are we should be heard and it's like even now I feel like transgender murder murders of transgender people and the transgender community are just left behind in the community because we have oh it's fine we have equality we have marriage laws now we can get married in certain countries but not all countries and we can like we can be seen out holding your hands without getting like arrested but that's not the same for transgender people we are just leaving them behind yeah. in the community and it's disgusting the way that they are treated by us as well as our allies and the people outside the community and that is and, and especially people of color within the community i'm just so angry about it it's so this, it really feels like there's so when when pride is on it feels like it's an lgbt movement but it never really is it's almost like an lgb movement and the t the t's are just like left behind almost exactly uh, okay like it's not okay and it shouldn't be happening and even in the documentary which was filmed i don't know when it was filmed but it must have been quite recent the case of the transgender woman who was murdered um there was like an interview with one of the people who was um like with like going into court and supporting um the victim's rights so the right of the like young lady that was killed for being transgender basically um and there was nobody outside the court on the court day um and the person was literally like why are there should we should be fighting to get into the court we should be like pushing past people people should be here protesting caring about this and nobody gives a shit nobody cares yeah it's so sad exactly and even the community isn't rallying up and pushing for this to be prosecuted like and it's it's on top of it being transgender it's also people of color we cannot forget how tied in racism is to homophobia like it is interlaced it's interlinked and if you are part of the lgbtq plus community and you are not supporting the black lives matter movement now then you are not part of the lgbtq plus community anymore you can get the fuck out because our rights and everything that we have now was given to us by transgender people of color and lgbtq plus people of color and we need to stop being so self-serving and selfish and yeah. dumb and stupid and just irritating and that is my opinion so, <laughs> so going back to Marsha, how old was she when she died she was 46 years old when she died that is no life is it no. it's young and it's so horrific that she died that way and still nobody knows what happened to her nobody has come forward nobody has said that they murdered her like nothing like that and that is kind of where it's been left um it's just theories and people trying to keep her memory alive and it's it's currently open as a cold case so if anyone has anything on it get in touch with the police force in america but um yeah she's there was a memorial put up for her and sylvia um her friend 
Silvio Rivera, um, and there was more put up for both of them. And it was, they are remembered and as like the mothers of Pride and the trans community. And they are the mothers and they are beautiful, powerful, wonderful people. And there's um, a really poignant quote from Marsha herself. And it is, I don't think they do a good investigation on a gay murder. They think, oh, that is one more gone. When you're gay, it takes forever. And that is a quote from her directly. It's almost as if it was like, like she knew what was going to happen. That's a bit spooky, really. That's the thing. A lot of people are like, oh, she is possibly she knew what was going to happen to her, and um, because of the mafia involvement and um, her roommates Randy Wicker's involvement in the whole, like fighting against the mafia being in Pride. That's what they. That's what they think they might have retaliated and killed her to get yeah. to him, but it's all kind of hearsay and it's all just theories and if anyone has any other theories that I haven't presented in my argument I do in, yeah, in here then please get in touch with us um I'd love to learn more but I don't want to focus on her death I want to focus on her life because she was an amazing activist and she yeah she fought for all of us and we should all be fighting for her and justice for her and people like her and people look like who look like her and people who are like her and people who we need more people who are like her in life because she was kind and wonderful and amazing and generous and she cared about everyone not just herself and that's what we all need to be doing especially in this time so that is the murder p johnson yeah that's so much in her very short lifetime as it was but imagine how much more she could have done if she had been murdered if she was still alive today exactly she could have lived a long and wonderful life and uh, what before i like hand over to you for you to do your murder let's just remember that the average life expense expectancy of a transgender person is in their 30s um trans panic the trans panic clause is still a viable defense um for murdering someone so you can say oh i murdered them because i panicked because i found that they were transgender and it is viable defense and it can get you off of murder yeah, um so like stupid like it is stupid but it's still viable and currently a lot of boris johnson in the uk and in america with um, donald trump they are revoking trans rights left right and center they are getting rid of transgender rights and we need to fight against it we this is not this is not gone away today people yeah. are, we transgender people and it's difficult because as much as i'm like very um i'm quite feminine now but i'm very androgynous and i still identify as part of the trans community in some ways um and i have people in my family that are transgender and i don't want to see them growing up in this society where we are taking steps backwards to this i don't want them to grow up and be afraid of who they are i don't want them to grow up and be scared that they're going to get beaten up or they're going to get hurt or they're going to not be able to do something simply because they are trying to be themselves and it's disgusting that that's still happening in this day and age and yeah i think Marsha p johnson is a beautiful person and she should be remembered as the mother of pride and that is the mother of Marsha p johnson it's like um we recorded our bonus episode yesterday but if you haven't listened to our bonus episode this week then go go back and have a cheeky listen after this but we spoke about our favorite um lgbt icons and what i kept saying yesterday was 
why don't we know their names? We all need to know these people's names because they are just as valid as everyone else. I feel like if we're learning about William Wilberforce um, abolishing the slave trade, we should know about Marshall P. Johnson, who started Pride, and we should know about um, Anne Lister, the first modern lesbian, and we should know about all the other like historical figures because they they pay they pays the way is that the phrase they passed the way they they, yeah, paved, they paved the way they they paved the way to where we are now and why why don't we know about why don't we know their names it makes exactly it, so my murder is one of the ones that I think has slipped under the radar because I feel I actively looked and researched for it um basically this is the murder of Jody Dabrowski um it happened in the UK 15 years ago and I wanted to talk about like a like a ex like an what would an unextraordinary case because hate crimes do happen every day they sometimes go, more often than not, they go unreported. And it's only when it ends in murder, really, that it does get reported. Because what else are you going to do with a corpse? Um, and, yeah, I because it's a reminder that not everybody in the community has to be an activist to get killed. It does happen a lot. Um, I think you're quite lucky, Beth, in that you have never received physical violence because of no. the sexuality and how you identify. But that is the case for everyone, and it does not happen just because this in 2005 doesn't mean it's not still continuing on. So, this is a man who was born in the UK. He was born in Gloucestershire in 1981. He had a life. He had an amazing, he had a very short but a very fulfilled life I would say he was very clever he studied biomedical sciences for toxicology at the University of Wales Institute wow oh my god I couldn't even get into university let alone studying bio- oh shut up you can definitely get into university you're like well smart <laughs> anyway after he finished his studies he moved to London in 2001 um he worked at clubs in Battersea and Camden, um, like in the weeks leading up to his death. But I think he'd like worked there for quite a few years, like he'd go clubs or something. One of the bouncers at one of the clubs that he worked at uh, described or said about him if you met this gentleman, you would know him to be a fresh faced young man who never said a nasty word to anyone, even to the drunks who came to the street. That was his way of a sweet guy. It's just, it's just so sad because this is this is an ordinary person. He's not at all extraordinary, other than he was gay. Yeah, um, that's the sad thing. Like, I think this just goes to show that it can happen to anyone. Yeah. Um, his family described him as an intelligent, funny, hardworking, and beautiful man. His life was brutally and mercilessly punched and kicked from him. Um. So there isn't much about, like, his personal life or anything like that or, like, his upbringing. But as you can see, his family were obviously supporting him, still in contact with him, loved him um, throughout his life. 
Uh, so on the night of his death, he met some friends at Clapham, but he left at about 10.15 p.m. Um, and he was a 10-minute walk from Clapham Common. If you know London, you know, I sort of know London, but it's not that far. Um, so on this night, Thomas Pickford and Scott Walker had spent the night heavily drinking um, and had gone to Clapham Common specifically to commit acts of, and I quote, homophobic thuggery. Um, basically, they went to the common to be outwardly homophobic and do what they could to destroy somebody's night. Which Jesus. is all, really. I mean, who would want to do that? Who would want to ruin someone else's night? I mean, you could say it was the alcohol, but personally, when you hear more about it, you'll hear it's probably but not the alcohol. It's just because you're a piece of shit. <laughs> Literally. So, naturally, they crossed paths and assumed Jovi was gay, as it was a well-known gay cruising area. Um, the common was. <clears throat> Pickford started to punch Jodie and then Walker joined him. Um, a witness did try to intervene, but, oh my god, this made me so angry, but they turned around to this witness, who wasn't named, and said, we don't like Pickford's here and that's why we can kill him if we want. Oh, that's disgusting. So, no, so, and they're so out in the open as well, like that's not even... Yeah. Like, take I mean, him back to the house and kill him. That's, like, right there, right then. Beat him up. Like, witnesses. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, um, despite that there was this witness, he or she didn't call the police because um, they found him unconscious in the early hours of the 15th of October 2005, but he later died in hospital from his injuries. Um after the witness, so they had to wait until, like, he, he was, like, abandoned, really, till they found him. Um, so, after the witness, like, left, probably scared out of their, you know, everything, um, the attackers continued, and homophobic language was used throughout. There aren't any quotes, but I think we can all imagine. Um, and there were such severe injuries that a pathologist couldn't identify how many injuries he had, but there were 33 identifiable ones to the head, face, ears and neck. Um, his family couldn't identify him because he was so unrecognisable. Oh um, my God. Identified by his fingerprints. That's um, the saddest, I think that is the saddest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, can you imagine, one, not only having that life of your son, brother, you know, nephew, grandson, whoever. Imagine having that as your last image of them, but also not even being able to recognise them. That's you just, know. that is not even, I don't care whether they were drunk or whether they were high or whether they were literally snorting crack up their bum holes. Like, you are just a piece of shit if you do that to someone. Like, it's, full stop. It, it, and it was completely unprovoked, you know, they never had a crossword. I think they had, um, I think they had, like, um, a conversation or they exchanged some words, but it wasn't anything, like, I don't know, it wasn't anything that would have, like, caused a, re- a huge reaction as it did. Exactly, and nothing, nothing justifies that amount of violence, nothing at all, unless you were, like, murdering somebody right in front of them or, like, 
killing their family or something nothing justifies that yeah so one of the police officers that found and recovered his body described it as a bloody swollen pulp it just it burns like obviously we're not even his family like there's only like one photo of him that was published in the papers at the time but like you you even then you can imagine what sort of state he was in and that's pretty horrific like I mean Mm. can you imagine like having to go identify like your son's dead body and he doesn't even look like your son I mean (laughs) no I can't imagine ever having to do that like I just it must be the most painful horrible experience like I that's the thing like a lot of the times on my phone they say like you can take whatever drugs and alcohol you want when your child is dead like that is my kind of view like if you have to do that just get as drunk and high as you want to because that is awful like whatever you need to do to forget that experience because I could never ever go through that and come out a sane human being definitely so the men uh what were their names then Thomas Pickford and Scott Walker they were they were arrested one week after his death and they eventually confessed in May 2006. I did read something that said that they tried to like retract their statements in the January of 2006, but they obviously later confessed in the May. But like, how could you ever like just retract it? Like, how could you live that long with that guilt? Like, I, if I ever did that to someone, heaven forbid I ever do that to someone, because if I did, literally shoot me in the head right there and then. Um, but like how could you live with yourself after like even one minute of having to like finishing doing that to someone I would literally just go and kill myself immediately because that is the worst thing you could ever do like how do you live with yourself yeah and there was um I obviously don't remember because we were literally like five years old at the time but it did receive a lot of media attention because of the severity of it Jodie's sexuality and seeing it as a hate crime it was found he had a swollen brain, a broken nose, and extensive bruising to his neck, spine, and groin. They were sentenced to life imprisonment with a minimum of 28 years. So if they were in prison in 2006, that would mean they could potentially um, be released on parole in, like, 2034, in 14 years' time. That's the upsetting thing, because life in prison doesn't actually mean life in prison. Yeah, I mean, it's like the length of his life because he was longer than the length of his life because Jodie was murdered when he was like 24 years old. It's a lifetime, but it's not their lifetime. Do you see what I'm trying to like say? Yeah. And like, I hate it when people are like, oh, well, they got life in prison, so it's fine. No, no, no. Life in prison is very short time and they can be out after that. Like if, if they're young they can probably outlive their life in prison sentence there's definitely a thing that's like life in yeah. prison is like 20 something years or something ridiculous like that and it's disgusting and that's I mean, why they give so many life sentences sometimes where they're like oh they've given them like 50 life sentences what's the point in that it's so that they cannot get out of prison yeah um and i didn't uh manage to find like the ages of the murderers when they committed the crime so I don't know if it would be plausible that they could outlive it but I'm I, if I were to guess I'd say they were probably like in their mid to late 20s maybe early 30s yeah it's 
it's possible that um their ages and their names wouldn't have been published at the time if they were minors so if they were like under the age of 16 yeah um, because apparently that's like a legal thing but if their names are out there it's possible that they could have like it's like um it could mean that they're over the age like they're not minors anymore they can be named but it depends on yeah when they committed the crime really um but what is most interesting well obviously it's not interesting it's really sad but a really like poignant bit of information that I had to like go back and re, re like reread after is that both men so Thomas Pickford and Scott Walker um had also been involved in another homophobic attack two weeks before they killed Jodie um and Walker was out on license for threats against his own mother but this had run out in time of Jodie's attack but not on the previous one so I think that would have like worsened his case I don't mm. think I'm this very well but that makes yeah. sense though no I get what you're saying but also the fact that they've done this before and they're not in prison already like and even if they hadn't murdered someone like they're not like literally in jail locked up yeah and there must be like as you say like it can't just be like you can't blame it on alcohol or drugs because he literally threatened his own mother exactly like, that's just a piece of shit and he they both did it previously i mean i don't know what enjoyment you can get out of that i haven't managed to find any information on their previous um attack um so i don't know like what the outcome was for the victim like whether they died they like substantial injuries i'm sure they did though it sounds like they're pretty strong yeah why did the police not just put them in prison like I know there's the whole, like, you've got to have a viable case and you've got to do this and you've got to do that. But, like, I feel like stuff like that should be taken as seriously as... it's Like, um, attempted murder should be taken as seriously as actual murder. Yeah. Because, it's like... I I don't know. There isn't much on it. It's literally just, like, one sentence. Like, oh, they did it before, like, two weeks previously. Um, So maybe because, like I said like before I started telling the story of JD um it is a lot of hate crimes go unrecorded um not reported because it's just I don't know maybe they see it as a waste of police time because police don't take it seriously because the police again aren't doing their jobs and they don't give a shit um (laughs) like hate crimes are so difficult to report because it's literally like oh well we don't have enough of a case to actually go ahead with anything so we'll just kind of leave it like we're not entirely we don't think we'd be able to get anywhere with this so we're you can report it but there's not a lot we can do yeah and it's just i i can see why people think it's pointless to report hate crimes but at the same time like imagine if that person who um like the first victim two weeks beforehand they could have you know at least been in police custody so that Jodie wouldn't have had to be murdered exactly you never know who you're saving by just reporting something of your own accord exactly and it's not like obviously it's not that person's fault that they didn't report it but like it's obviously the people who murdered 
hit mm. the spot but like still it's so important you report if you feel safe and comfortable to you you report and you speak to someone and you get the help you need because it's traumatizing and it's sad and it's horrible and we stand with you everyone else will stand with you like it's okay for you just to talk about it you're not alone yeah definitely and you should never ever ever like feel frightened or do it because you know if you survived it think who might not survive it exactly and it just there is no need to be scared because the outcome will always be better the bad guys will always get caught if you've ever seen scooby-doo you will know that exactly and that is that was such a like have you got anything else to say because that's such a beautiful like yeah i wasn't gonna say that's like a beautiful case but that is a really poignant case and it just goes to show like if we know his name shall i say it again people need to know (laughs) name exactly and we if we sat here and listed off all the people that had been murdered by hate crime um we would have our whole podcast would just be taken over by it because there's so many and it let's we should also not forget the disproportionate amount of people of color that are murdered by hate crime because racism um and the disproportionate amount of people of color murdered by hate crime that isn't investigated by the police and isn't given shit about the police because um racism again so yeah it is awful and upsetting and painful and we are so sorry to anyone who has been a victim of hate crime or has been affected by hate crime and we'll put we'll definitely put some like um links up on our stories yeah yeah Um, like places you can go yeah and we'll leave like all the links and stuff to all the information we found um marsha's documentary basically all the stuff about Marsha because there isn't much unfortunately about the Jodie what was the last name Dabrowski Dabrowski why can't I read Dabrowski I'm the one that's not supposed to be able to read my dyslexia is part of my brand Rachel stop coming for my brand brand um so yeah if you have been affected by anything we mentioned today we will leave links to helplines and chat room not chat rooms what am i trying to like think of i don't know but we will leave places and also you can also message us we we don't mind talking about things yeah we're not therapists we're not therapists but if you feel like there's something on your chest that you want to get off we're here for it like your titties if you have titties and you <laughs> just want to get them off your chest then i will take them from you and i will donate them to a transgender person who wants your titties and then we can just start like a little support group you know i'll just transfer the titties from one person to I another really it'd be great where you were going with that but i'm not going to steal people's titties and just keep them in a jar i promise <laughs> oh my god um so let's quickly come out of the doom and gloom and just kind of like center ourselves and ground ourselves feel the feet of the ground on our feet underneath us and like smell breathe here you know what i mean um do you want to do a positive thing at the end of this episode because it's been quite a heavy one um okay my positive thing for the end of this episode is marsha p johnson lived she lived yeah 
She was alive. She existed, and she did what she could. I was gonna say, Rachel, she didn't. She she definitely died, but okay. <laughs> he was alive at some point. <laughs> point I'm trying to make. Um, okay, let's scrap that. You think of a positive thing to say because that was obviously rubbish. No, that was a good positive. Okay, that was a, that was a nice positive. She did live her life, and it was beautiful. Um, my positive is all of the wonderful amazing people of color and black creators and lgbt creators that i'm seeing all over my feed and all over my tiktok and all over my instagram and facebook and all of that because people are starting to celebrate those people and give them a voice and it's it's beautiful to see and that's my positive for the week because i'm seeing so many more beautiful inclusive and diverse things and i and and I like the idea that your positive is the Marsha P. Johnson lived positive because it's almost like that's our heritage and my positive is what's now and it's beautiful and wonderful. Yeah. And there, there are good things in the world, even though it seems really dark and dull and horrible and sad at the moment yeah. and everything is bad. But there yeah. is positives. You just got to look for them. Yeah. Even though she is no longer with us, we are so lucky to have had her on this planet doing what she did anyway exactly you know one little thing in her life could have changed the way she was and could have meant that she wasn't the you know strong woman she was so we should be grateful to have had her exactly and we are also so grateful for all of the other transgender and lgbtq plus activists in for giving us our heritage and giving us our voice and giving us our freedom yes Thank oh. you so much for listening, people. <laughs> listening. Um, I don't actually remember what the next episode is, but there will be another episode soon. There will be another episode. Are we doing a safe sex episode, aren't we? No, there's another before that. I don't is know. Is there? Is I there? have no idea. I think. Um, it's going to happen. It's going to be great. Whatever it is, it's going to be amazing. Be themed. Um, <laughs> it's gay. Yeah. So yeah, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Rachel, for murdering. Um Thank you, Beth, for being Buffy. Thank you, Rachel, for being a babe. Um Oh. Thank you all of you for being babes. We've been busty and you've been babes. I'm gonna try and make that happen. I'm gonna try and make it a thing. No. Yes, we've been busty, you've been babes. Thank you so much for listening. Okay. <laughs> All right. See you on the next episode. See you on the next episode. Don't do any drugs. Good. Good way to end it, Beth. Stay safe. Um. Yeah. Peace out. Bye.